In just a second. Oh, that sounds like me. Yep. Actually, it sounded like me before, but now it sounds like me. Amplified, bigger. Yeah, I like this better. So we're headed toward the, the Christmas uh, play, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I, every, every year, we have this conversation behind the scenes uh, are we going to do a Christmas drama where they do uh, really fancy things and it's, 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 it's like the modern day story and I'm always like, no, 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 no. I want old fashioned and this is one of the few things uh, when it comes to our church, I want to be old fashioned. I loved being in the Christmas play. I loved studying for my part, walking up there to the front, <laughs> being scared to death. And then saying your part and then walking off. I loved that whole experience. And uh, we're going to have an incredible Christmas play here. Uh, we have a lot of children that are going to be involved in it. And uh, it's, it's going to be both beautiful and uh, I guess cute is the right word, but meaningful uh, in what's happening. And so last week we introduced the idea of the, the ticket system and what's going to happen with the ticket system. Um, it hasn't gone so well so far, so we've got to readjust a few things. The 1045 service is already, all the tickets are gone. Um, and so what happened is a number of you said, oh, my kids are going to be in this one and this one, so I'm getting tickets for both of them right now. And I understand that. This past weekend, I went and watched my um, granddaughter, and she was, in a, uh, she was in a play, and I watched all three of them. I sat there for three three services in a row. It was awesome. But they had like 7,000 seats in their auditorium. And so there was lots of seats for everybody. We're not really in that situation. So this is what I need you to do. If your child is in one of the, either the early or the late one, would you please go in and take the tickets off for the 1045 unless, here's the big unless. This is what Skyline's about. We want to reach people who don't go to church. So if you've invited a family member to the 1045 or you've invited somebody to the 1045 and that's the only service that they can come to, then you can you go ahead and stay there. Why? Because that's your mission, right? That's your mission. You're, you're not just coming to watch your child, you're bringing somebody with you. But if you can come to either the early one or the later one, if that works for you, please go in and take that ticket off for us so we can free that up for other people to be able to do that. Um, and then if we get down to the last day and there's uh, still uh, tickets left, then you can pop back on and get your ticket to be able to come on the 1045. Okay, and I'm going to say, does that make any sense? And I want all of you to go, oh, yeah, yeah, that really makes perfect sense. That's good. Uh, so we are in our, uh, our uh, guardrail series, and the question for this morning is this. Have you ever met someone that you wish you'd never met? Have you ever met somebody, and you build a relationship with that person, but you really wish you'd never met that person? The reason for that is because oftentimes the, focus, the folks that we've met are part of or shared in our greatest regrets. There are things that we either did with them or relationships that we built with them, that, that out of that relationship, we did things, we put ourselves into a position, we made decisions. It's the greatest regrets of our lives. Every once in a while, you will do a regret alone. But most often, it happens with someone. So 
we're going to talk about guardrails. We're going to talk about relationships today. And, and a number of you are going to be really tempted to go, oh, yeah, like junior high and high school. They need to hear this. Because in junior high, that's when your friends really influence you. In junior high, there's peer pressure. Uh, I don't have to tell you this. You already know it, but I'm going to say it. You never grow up. When you walk into your job in the first time that you walk into your job in the first time, it's just like junior high. You're looking for the cool kids, you're looking for the nerds, and you wonder where you fit. When you walk into church for the first time, you're like, who's the cool kids? Right? Where are the nerds? Am I going to fit here? So just do yourself a favor. Don't take this message and translate it to somebody else. Don't go, man, I wish they were here. Interact with where you are and what's happening in your life. I'm over 55 years old. This message applies to me just as much as it does to somebody who's going into seventh grade. So we uh, started last week and uh, we asked Andy Stanley to come in and he was gracious and uh, showed up on our screen. Um, I didn't actually personally ask him. Uh, but uh, the reason for that was because he does it so well. There's some messages that I hear other people do that they do it so well that you're like, okay, we just we need you to be able to hear it, hear it that way. And that was that was one of those. And so these uh, he, he introduced this idea of guardrails. Guardrails is this system. It's a system that uh, is designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit uh, areas. So here's the key about the guardrail. The guardrail is in the safety zone. This is important. The guardrail is in the safety zone. What do you mean? I mean, you could go, if you took the guardrail away, you could go past that spot and you'd still be okay. Now, you'd be in great danger of some devastating fruit or devastating things happening just past that. But the guardrail is in the safety zone. And the guardrail works such that if you hit the guardrail, it hurts. So you may, you may have to pay for your, for your car to get fixed. It's going to cost you something, but you're not in the hospital. Or it may be that you hit the guardrail hard, and so you end up in the hospital, but you don't end up in the funeral home. The idea is it protects you from what comes next, but it's in the safety zone. And our culture doesn't, doesn't encourage guardrails. It mocks them. It makes fun of them. Uh, whenever you're in a situation, and, and uh, if, just think of late night TV. What late night TV does the entire time is it mocks guardrails. It makes fun of people that say, I'm not going to go past this point. A couple months ago, um, the vice president, uh, in interacting with how he interacts with women, says, yeah, I, I would never go out with a woman without my wife. That's one of the guardrails he has in his life. They went crazy mocking him and making fun of him and, oh, he's so old-fashioned or who does he think he is? And, but at the same time, once you go off the cliff, well, then they kick you to the can. Then you're, you're a bum. You're, you know, they, they go after you. As, and they're okay with painted lines. They're okay with, look, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just live your life. Be free. Don't put rules on yourself. Don't put... Don't put any limits on yourself. Just go. Worry about it later. That's the idea behind that. So today we're going to talk about friends and associates. 
Um, you all have some form of friends and associates. And the first thing I want you to grab a hold of is this. You choose them. You choose your friends. Now, it doesn't feel like that. Because we are acceptance magnets. You put yourself in any group of people who will accept you, make you feel like you belong, make you feel like you're important, make you feel like they're going to be there for you no matter what, and you will almost every time, you're, just, you're, just, you're like a bear to honey, man. You're just like, that's where I want to be. You don't necessarily think, oh, wait a minute, I've chosen these friends. I've chosen these associates. You just feel like, yeah, this is great. This is where I belong. But as we work through this process, no, 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 no. You chose those friends. You chose Every one of us has the power to choose who we're going to spend time with. And here's the big deal. We have the power to choose who we're going to let our guard down with. Because that's what friends and associates is about, right? You love to be with those people, and even, without even thinking about it, you let your guard down, and they influence you, and you influence them. You're like, no, we're just hanging out. No, they're not. They're not. No, they influence you. They impact your life. And so as we talk about this, um, if you, especially if you came from my generation, it's, it's probably still true, but it really was just a huge deal when, in my generation was, uh, don't judge me. Don't judge me, right? My, the, the big thing in my high school when I was growing up was, if you haven't tried it, don't knock it, which is probably the dumbest advice you've ever heard, right? So if you haven't tried it, don't knock it. And the whole idea was, well, aren't you going to be judgmental? Like if we're going to be talking about your friends, you're probably going to be judgmental against my friends. What right do you have to be judgmental against my friends? Now we're, we're pre-prepared for this here at Skyline because we have this value that we don't have opinions about one another. And judgmental is when you form an opinion about someone else their behavior, their activity, their attitude, who they are. Woo, that's cool. All right. And then, and then you, you, you interact with them based on that you are the judge. That's what judgmental is. They what? The, the phrase we use around here is, you don't answer to me. In a judgmental relationship, you answer to me. You have to be worried about what I think of you when you walk into the room. Because I am going to treat you as if you answer to me. That's judgmental. Good judgment is a whole different deal. Good judgment has to do with the judgments I'm going to make about me. Good judgment has to do with the decisions I'm going to make and actions I'm going to take and what I'm going to be responsible for. Good judgment has to do with me and the steps that I'm going to take. It doesn't have anything to do with, okay, here's my group of friends, and I need to put, it's a very famous word, it's been used a lot, it's very misused, boundaries on my friends. In other words, I'm going to tell my friends what they can and cannot do around me. I used to do this when I was a little kid. When I was in elementary school, me and my buddy Tim Perry 
used to, uh, we went to church, and so we were the, uh, the righteous God squad. And so on our playground, when I was in fifth grade, on our playground, you were not allowed to cuss, or me and Tim Perry beat you up. And we really literally did that. We went around listening for kids to curse. We'd beat them up. That, yeah, it's a little twisted, right? That's just judgmental. That's judgmental. Good judgment is not about what the other kids do on the playground. Good judgment is about what am I going to do on the playground? How am I going to live and how am I going to make these decisions and, and what am I going to do? So in my life, once the light bulb started to come on in my life about this issue, I began to use the phrase, I can't handle that. I know, guys, but I can't handle that. So if you're ever in a group, and we, my small group, this comes up every once in a while, sometimes people mention movies that they watch. I can't handle the movies you watch. I can't handle any movie that has a sex scene in it. It does something to me that's not good. So if I'm going to practice good judgment, I'm not going to watch that. That's on who? It's on me. I'm not telling you what you can watch. I'm not even telling you how it impacts you. I'm just telling you I can't do that. So as we talk about this, this is not about you telling your friends and saying, oh, I have good friends and I have bad friends. This is about you making good judgment about you and what you can handle and what you can't handle. So uh, the next phrase, this is the one that Andy Stanley uses. He, he says he uses the one, I'm not emotionally mature enough to be. I, I use the one, I just can't handle that. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't do that. Uh, sometimes alcohol comes up, and uh, I'm not going to take that risk. Why not? I don't think I could handle it. I don't think I could handle it. And so, so is that judgmental toward the other people? Now, that's an interesting thing to watch, right? Have you ever gone with your friends and tried not to drink if you have drinking friends? That makes your friends really uncomfortable. They don't like that. One of, one of the guys in their church said, yeah, I've got this, this, this thing where I, what I do is I, I know what I can handle, and so I have one glass of wine with a meal, and then I have them fill it up half full. I said, well, why do you do that? He said, because then everybody around me is not giving me a hard time about having more to drink, right? Don't confuse the fact that your friends feel judged because you have good judgment. Don't confuse those two things. Sometimes they feel judged because all of us want to be what? Accepted, and we feel accepted when we all do the same things together. So this idea that your, your friends influence you and they impact you and uh, they make a big difference in your life, you, you kind of already know this is true, but you experience this if you were raised by parents who were at all involved in your lives because they were paranoid about your friends. I was paranoid about my kids' friends. My family and I, my wife and I, had a plan where we spied on our kids. So in high school, in high school, when they went, when they went junior high and high school, we did two things. One, we would show up at the school and just watch. We'd just watch what happens. But number two, we employed, we didn't actually pay them with money, but we did pay them with other things. We employed spies in the school. In other words, other kids that knew our kids, we had a contract with them whereby they would report on our kids. 
Now, why would you do that? Because I care about my kids. And I absolutely believe that their friends are going to influence my kids. Does that make sense? And so when you experienced it and your, your, your parents did it to you, you're like, man, you're being so judgmental. You're being so judgmental. It's been really fun to watch my children grow up because the one, I, the, the one, I had one daughter who really was like, dad, you're just, dad, mom, you're so judgmental. You're so judgmental. You're so judgmental. Well, there's an interesting thing that happens when you become a parent because your parents were paranoid and now you are paranoid-er. So like I have one daughter that I'm like, whoa, back off, man. It's not, whoa, like you're really taking this too seriously. Why? Because she remembers her friends. She remembers her. My son-in-law remembers his friends. He remembers the huge impact that all of that can have. They remember the decisions that they made that they regret, and they don't want their kids to make the same decision. So you interact with that. So our friends determine the direction and quality of our lives. It's not the only thing that, de that determines it, but it has a huge influence on it. I think I'd say our friends influence the direction and the quality of our lives. You see it happen over and over again. There's a Something that Andy Stanley shared in, in the second message, which, by the way, if you want to see the original, really good version of this message, go on YouTube. Look up Andy Stanley. It's the second one in this series. It, it, it's really good. He's not as funny as I am, but he, 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 exp <laughs> he, he explains it really well. So the, uh, he, he had a, 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 one of his assistants that brought him an article, and this article was a guy by a guy named Moran Cerf, and this guy's a neurologist, and he studies the relationship of decision-making and relationships. What's the difference? Like, how do relationships impact your decision-making? And in his, his studies, he found out that it's actually neurological, which, which is this. When you hang out with a certain group of people, the brain waves in your brain actually begin to match. You actually begin to think alike. Just by hanging out with each other, just by being with each other, he said, the more we study engagement, we see time and time again that just being next to a certain person, people, actually aligns your brain with them. This is not a conscious thing. It's not you going, I want to be like them. You're just around them. This actually even happens with people you don't like. If you're around them enough, you begin to think like them. You watch this all the time. Any group of people, you put them together. Matter of fact, uh, we don't do this on purpose because we want to reach people who don't go to church. Like, we don't, we don't even allow you to say amen in our church. And if you grew up in church, you know that the way that you say, yeah, way to go, is you say amen, right? If we did, and you came to our church for a month, even on the inside, you'd start going, amen. On the inside, you'd do it. How come? Because everybody else is doing it. You, you wouldn't go to a ball game. Everybody's cheering. Before long. Yeah, I know some of you are really like, not me. It's still happening in your brain, even if you won't do it on the outside. 
Listen to this next statement. If people want to maximize happiness, sounds like a great idea, and minimize stress, even better idea, they should build a life that requires fewer decisions by surrounding themselves with people who embody the traits they prefer. After he studied your brain, he's like, wow, what you need to do is hang out with people who are going where you want to go. That's what you should do. He, he makes this conclusion. This isn't the study, but this is his conclusion. Over time, they naturally pick up those desirable ad, ad, attitudes and behaviors. I just want to take a quick step, kind of a step out of this for a second. Oftentimes you think you are who you are. You think that's just who I am. It's, it's just who I am. And you wish you weren't you. There's things about you that, are, that lead to trouble in your life. There's things about you you wish weren't you. I just want you to know it's possible. That's really not you. That's just a result of the family and friends you've hung out with your whole life. It may not be that that is who you are. It may be that Jesus could change you. Or Jesus could come into your life and build this new set of friends around you that you would see some things that you, you've been working on your whole life to get rid of and you haven't been able to get rid of because you keep hanging out with the same people. And it just keeps working on you that way. So uh, Solomon, who is uh, uh, 3,000 years ago, before this research was done and before we got so smart, before we had computers and before we could uh, look into the brain and find all of this stuff out, Solomon, who was not only a wise man, but his wisdom had been given to him from God, said this, walk with the wise and become wise. Walk with the wise and become wise. You don't have to take notes. You don't have to do memory verses. You just have to hang out with wise people and you will become wise. It rubs off on you. It's contagious. Now what's wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to see the world as it really is and then be able to make decisions based on, wait a minute, if this is the way the world really works, that would be the best course of action. We talk around here about, about truth and lies. Wisdom is that if you build your life on the truth, it always leads to life. If you build your life on a lie, it always leads to destruction. It's wisdom. It's looking at the world and understanding the way it really works. And then be able to go, oh, if this is how it really works, then if that's where I want to go, this is the decision that I would be able to make. So if you want that for your life, then you would walk with people that are wise. See, it's the same idea that your friends and associates, they influence you. Then he goes on to say this, and walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, it's interesting. He doesn't say walk with the wise and you'll be wise, but walk with fools and then you'll be a fool. 
He says, for a companion of fools suffers harm. What's that mean? That means when the associates and the friends that you hang out with, when their lives blow up, you get bloodied. The simplest, simplest one is, I was just out riding with my buddies. I was just out riding with my buddies. That's not all I was doing. Before I knew it, they pulled into the liquor store, and one of the guys jumped out and went in and robbed the liquor store. And now I'm in jail because of what my friend does. It's not my fault. Life is not fair. Really? Because somebody told you 3,000 years ago that if you walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. How many things in your life are you blaming God for? Are you blaming your friends for? When in fact, you chose those friends. Yeah, but I didn't choose the fruit that comes with the friends. Sorry. That's how the world really works. That's how it really works. So friends who aren't careful with their lives won't be careful with your life. Friends who aren't careful with their budget they're not going to influence you to be careful with your budget. Matter of fact, this is a fun thing to watch. I get to watch it from my perspective. You'll find a group of people that once they take financial peace the third time, because for some of us it takes 30 times before we actually get it, but you will find people who take financial peace and finally get the budget part of this thing, they start to like to hang out with people who get it. You will also find the people that take financial peace the one time and they were so excited about it and they did really good for six months, but now it's just kind of gone by the wayside. They don't like hanging out with those budget people. They kind of irritate you. That makes sense, right? Friends who aren't careful with their lives won't be careful with your life. Friends who aren't careful with the way they parent their children, they're not going to be careful in the way they influence you and your parenting. Friends who aren't careful in the way that they love their wife, they're not going to influence you to love your wife that way. Friends who don't take care of themselves won't take care of you. Friends who don't care, take care of their spiritual life, they're not going to influence you to take care of your spiritual life. And you can go to every arena of your life and even people that you have chosen to go into business with, professional decisions that you've made, these influence your life. So the point of a guardrail is to light up your conscience before we veer into the danger zone. Now, guardrails are not God saying to you, don't do this. Guardrails are not, okay, I'm going to look up a verse. Where's the verse say that I can't do that? Where does the verse say that I have to do that? That's not what guardrails are. Guardrails are, wait a minute, how do I take the wisdom of what God says and put something into my life so that I feel it? I, under, I feel it when I start to hit that area of my life. When I start making those kind of decisions, when I start hanging out with my friends and these things happen, 
I know, uh-uh, I'm stepping away. No one in the room will understand it. No one in the room will understand it. When Christopher was uh, in sixth grade, fifth grade, he went over to a friend's house, and they were watching a movie that uh, was outside the limits of what we had put on our family. And he just said to his friends, hey, guys, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the other room. And he goes into the other room, and while his friends are watching the movie, he talks to the parents. The parents came to us and said, what's up with your kid? Like, this is what he did. That makes any sense. That's right. When you make this choice, and it's a personal guardrail, it's not going to make sense to anybody else. Don't try to make it make sense to anybody else. This is between you and your God. This is between you and wisdom. This is between you and where you want to end up and where you want to be able to lead your kids to end up. So here's some relational guardrails. Here's some things in your relationships that maybe you should go, whoa, lights need to come on. Number one, when it dawns on you, your core group isn't moving in the direction you want your life to be moving. When it dawns on you that the core group of people that you hang out with are the same people you were hanging out with when you were 17 years old. They care about the same things. They're having the same conversations. They're making the same decisions. So many of you really want your life to count. You want your life to matter. You want to make a difference. You want to have an intimate relationship with God. You're maybe you don't even know who he is yet, but you'd like to know him. But nobody in your core group does. That might be a guardrail. There's different areas of your life where you're like, this is where I want to go. Are the people you're hanging out with, are they going there? You're like, yeah, but they really, I really feel comfortable with them. I really, I, I really like them. They make me feel good. Okay, I got it. But just know. The chances of you getting where you want to go are very slim, and you made that choice. God didn't make that choice. Your friends didn't make that choice. You made that choice. Because you said, I'm not going to build that guardrail. I'm going to risk it. Next, when you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than the one you really are. When you're hanging out with your friends and there's all these conversations you can't have with them because you kind of got to act differently than you really are. There's this, there's this whole culture that you built with your friends and your family, this whole culture you've built with them, and you can go in and you know what it's like. If you've been friends with somebody for four years, you have the exact same conversation every Friday night, right? Maybe you change the people, you put different pieces in, but you have the same conversation, do the same things, right? But you've become a different person now. Something. You want to go different places. But when you're with this group of people, you find yourself not really being who you are. Next one is when you feel pressure to compromise. When you feel pressure to compromise. How would I know that? Well, when you find yourself doing something that you said two years ago you would never do. When you find yourself tempted to do something that you were never tempted by before. 
When you find yourself justifying things that before it was black and white, but now it seems really gray, not really sure, that might be a spot where you need to put a guardrail and go, no, 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 that's dangerous. That is dangerous. Lastly, when you catch yourself thinking, I'll go, but I won't participate. I'm just going to go with them, but I won't participate. This one's easy. Can you imagine if your 14-year-old daughter comes to you and says, hey, there's nine guys, and me and my girlfriend are going to go with the nine guys. They do, they do smoke a little pot and do a little bit of other things, but we're not going to do that. Would you go, oh, have a good time, honey? If you said yes, we need to have a different conversation. Like, put your name on the card. We need to have a different conversation. No. You might say, well, actually, there's going to be 10 guys because I'm coming with you. But there's no way you would ever think that was a good idea. Why? Because you can see it for what it is. So you put the guardrail in your daughter's life, right? How about your own life? Do you find yourself going, they just keep asking me at work, they just keep asking me to do this, and I'm sorry, that wasn't the last one, this next one is the last one. When you hope the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. It's my favorite one. It's black and white. It's black and white. When you hope the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. The people that you really love, now let's flip it, now the 14-year-old daughter, you hope she doesn't know you're there. You hope she doesn't know what you're about to participate in or who you're hanging out with and what you're doing. Whenever that happens, it's the beginning of a lie. You haven't lied yet. You haven't done anything wrong yet. You haven't entered into a relationship you shouldn't have entered into yet. You haven't, you haven't done anything wrong yet. You just don't want people to know where you are. What is that? That's a great place for a guardrail. So why is this so important? Why does this matter? I think we've done, dealt with the judgmental judgment part. Which, this is not about judging your friends. This is about you. What are you going to do? And who are you going to choose to associate with and become tr- really close friends with? It's about you. Well, the reason why this really matters is because yesterday or this morning, there are... Some of you, this morning maybe even, or maybe it was Saturday morning, you woke up and you looked in the mirror and you're like, how did this happen? How did I get here? Well, there's a group of people in this community that, hundreds that woke up and said, what happened? How did I get here? And the answer is, you got here because of the friends you chose. That's how you got here. You were influenced by those friends. And you said, no, no, they're not going to influence me. I'm me. No, that's not wise. It's not really true. Our friends and associates still determine the quality of our lives. Jesus then said something that's, uh, we kind of use this phrase, we got it from Jesus. Uh, we use this phrase, but use it in different, different words. He said this, but wisdom is proved right by all her children. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. See, wisdom is not an argument that you make 
And you go, okay, listen, let me, let me sit down with you. I will show you why you should not do that. Uh, if you've ever met with me, you know I actually do do this, and maybe I shouldn't do it as much as I do. But you'll tell me your story, and then I'll go, okay, good. You do this, this, and this. This is what's going to happen. You do this, this, and this. This is what's going to happen. And you're like, well, don't you feel sorry for me? I'm like, no, I don't feel sorry for you. It's one of those two things, right? You get to choose what you get to do. Well, what do you mean? The phrase we use is this. How's that working for you? This thing you're doing, how's that working for you? And so when it comes to this issue, you can go, hey, listen, let me tell you why it's okay that I don't put those guardrails into place. Let me tell you why it's okay or why I can't help it. I have to keep hanging out with these people. I mean, I have to be loyal to them. I have to be a friend. I have to, and whatever reasons. And when you get done, you're, you're going to win the argument. The point by point logical argument, you're going to win the argument. But time will prove that wisdom is right. What do you mean? The fruit of, the children of your decisions will prove that wisdom was right, not all your arguments. It's why we have life groups. Life groups are your opportunity to build a new set of friends. It's an opportunity to build a relationship with a group of people who are either on the path or getting on the path or have been on the path of, listen, this is where we want to end up. We want to end up being really healthy people and having healthy relationships with God. You choose to either take advantage of that or to argue it away. I don't have time. I don't have this. I don't have... You choose that. I want to encourage you. That one, he, he, God loves you. And so he gives you this wisdom. He comes to you and says, your friends will influence you. Make sure you put guardrails in your life so that you know how far to go. And for almost all of you, you don't want to be where you are. You want to grow. You want to change. So I encourage you. So that tomorrow or two weeks from now or three weeks from now, you don't wake up and go, how'd I get here? I encourage you to go, nope, I'm putting those guardrails into place. That's what I'm going to do. And I personally encourage you to make being a part of a life group building relationships with people who are going where you want to go is a decision that you make. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this uh, really cool truth. Thank you that we're not alone. Thank you we get to make choices, albeit some of these would be really tough for us. Thank you that there is such a thing as wisdom. And this clear picture of what a guardrail is, it's planting this wisdom into place. It's deciding, I'm going to hang out with people who are wise, because I want to be wise. 
I want it to be that when I wake up and say, how did I get here? It's how did I get here? This is awesome. This is healthy. This is awesome. Pray for each person as they have their interaction with you. I pray for them to be honest with you. I pray for them to be open with you. I pray for them to be. Even if they're going to fight against you. So that, so that they could see six months, a year from now. Okay. Jesus let you go your way. But wisdom's children shows that she is right. In your name we pray. Amen.